1 and verse 18 says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that when I come and see, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen. Uh, Many of you probably know that I enjoy a bit of cycling. Not particularly good, but I do enjoy it. Um, And contained in that is, well, it doesn't actually have to be. You don't really have to be much into cycling. If you're just conscious of sport, many of you will know the, what is the astounding for many, Uh, For others, contentious, uh, and maybe the current investigation going on around the guy in terms of of doping during the the peak of his career will will weigh the balance one way or the other. But many of you will have heard of the just simply astounding story of Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong was a pretty successful uh, cyclist, 25 years old when in 1997 he was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Uh, It looked really as though it was the end, and uh, remarkably, Lance recovered. uh, uh, In human terms, uh, a kind of single-minded determination, a commitment to doing all that he possibly could uh, to to, to work hard at defeating this, this illness. What came out of it has been just a remarkable uh, impact on our society in lots of ways. In 2004, uh, Nike, who were real key supporters of Lance Armstrong, produced the Livestrong band. It's a yellow wristband, contained the word Livestrong. Uh, And the idea of uh, bands around the wrist has just been taken on by so many, so many causes. Uh, And in that way, I guess it 
even in that, there's been a global impact as a result of the charity which Lance Armstrong established. He went on, having been diagnosed, recovered, uh, started sail, came back to professional cycling in 1999. Between 1999 and 2005, uh, Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France each year, seven occasions of winning the Tour de France, just a remarkable, uh, unprecedented uh, level of success in what is pretty much accepted by most as the hardest sporting event in all of the world. 21 days of just repeated uh, two, three, four hours on the bike uh, climbing mountains. I mean, to come from cancer potential death to winning seven times, which I guess is why there's uh, questions around uh, use of drugs and all of the rest that's being investigated right at the moment. But this impact that he had with the, the band Livestrong, it wasn't initially designed as a kind of band for causes. It was designed as something to, for, for people who were grappling with this condition to wear around their wrist. Uh, and to, to remind themselves of a determination to live strong. That was his motto. Uh, the the web, Live Strong website says this, I'm talking about Lance, he plans to lead this fight against cancer and he hopes that you join him. This is a life he owes to cancer. That's a remarkable phrase, isn't it? He now, lives, he, he now owes this current life that he lives and all that it is contained within the Live Strong charity and the just huge amount of fundraising that has gone on over these past years. It's a life he owes to cancer. This is his choice to live strong. This is his choice to live strong. Wear this as a statement, reminder. It's as though he's kind of saying, in fact this is what he very often, not quite in these words says, uh, but pretty close. He says something along these lines. Look, let my pretty much death and life be an inspiration to you. For, so that because of my commitment to live strong, let it be a commitment for you to live strong. So because I've done it, let, m let my kind of strength wash out to you. That sounds great, doesn't it? We're going to think about this a little bit because the verse that we're going to uh, look at this afternoon has, if you like, a transcendent ring, I think, which is greater than Lance Armstrong's call to us to live strong. Uh, let's have a look at it. It's verse 27. And it says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I think we could take that verse and we could wipe out Livestrong and we could replace it with Paul almost saying to the, Corinthian, to the Philippian church at this point, guys, live worthy. You know, forget Livestrong. 
He's saying, live worthy. Says that, doesn't he? He says, make your life a life which is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The manner of your life, be worthy of the gospel. It's as though he's appealing to this church in Philippi, which is just about to face incredible persecution. He's saying, I want you to live your life worthy of the gospel. Let's think about that just for a few minutes this afternoon, because in lots of ways, there couldn't be a more kind of focused, worthwhile thought for us to have at this point, at the beginning of the new year, for the message to ring out, as we've said, this letter to a church 2,000 years ago, because it is the living word of God, has a message which washes out to us today, and therefore as a letter to a church in Philippi, it also becomes a letter to a church in escape. And it says to us at the beginning of 2011, I don't say it to you, the Bible says it to us, live worthy. Live worthy. What does that mean? Let's think about it. Because I think that contained within that is all sorts of challenges. Maybe you're just here this afternoon. Maybe you know that you don't really believe this message of the Bible. You've got some ideas about uh, the Christian faith. Uh, And maybe one of the ideas that you have about the Christian faith is to be a Christian means that you you have to live in a way which means that uh, you are, if you get good enough at it, you get accepted. Uh, And that verse, initially, it sounds like that, doesn't it? It sounds as though what Paul is saying to this church is, uh, to be a Christian is to do all of these things, which means that you're good enough to be considered that. You know? How many pips have you got on your Christian epaulets? Is it one, you're a one-pipper? You're a two-pip Christian? How good are you at it? How, how, how kind of progressed have you, have you got in your life? Have you reached the point? Have you made the commitment? I think, I think it's really easy for us to um, caricature the Christian faith Uh, And to give the impression that that's what it is all about. But Paul is not saying that. He's not saying that. He's actually saying something way more powerful than that. Let's think about what he's saying. What he's saying is this. Let the manner, let the the way you live, your day-to-day life, that's the first thing he's saying. Let the manner of your life, That immediately impacts every one of us, doesn't it? Not just as we walk through the door. Not just as we get up off a weekend. The manner of our lives has a kind of... It just pours out into every aspect of our lives. It means that when we get up, I was going to say on Monday morning, but I guess for most of us, it's going to be getting up on Tuesday morning this week. And uh, we're getting ready to go into work. And we're thinking, yeah, um, I, 
I don't want to be a Christian today. I'll just sack it today. I'll just be me today. Paul is saying no. The manner of your life means that the Christian faith is something which it just kind of, it just sinks in and spreads out to every aspect of life. It starts to shape you. The manner of the way you approach things. The manner of the way that your attitude is towards this situation. Your attitude towards getting up on Tuesday morning. Your attitude towards that comment in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the canteen or in the staff room or, or across the garden fence or in the shop or wherever it might be, the way that we respond, the way that we think about, is our manner of life. Now, all of us, every one of us, have a manner of life, don't we? Paul is not calling us to do something extraordinarily different. We all have a manner of life. Every one of us, our manner of life is shaped by the way we want to portray ourselves. I'm reading a book at the moment about um, a guy, an undercover cop who, a true story, an undercover cop who infiltrates the outlaw motorcycle gangs of America. It's just fascinating. You know, that is just so extreme. Uh, Most of us here this afternoon, I guess, uh, wouldn't be close to understanding that kind of But what comes across so powerfully as I've been looking at that is that the way that every one of us, we want to portray something of our manner of life, the way we respond to every situation, is continually wanting to reinforce who we believe we are and who we want to be and who we want to portray. So whether you're an outlaw motorcycle gang member, whether you're a a respectable Um, member of society whatever it might be we want to portray a certain something now what Paul is saying is now listen make sure that the manner of your life portrayal is shaped not by you but by something outside of you that's what he's saying the manner of your life be worthy of what? Of your commitment, of your working hard, no, of the gospel of Christ. He's saying this, something has gone before that means that because that has gone before, it reshapes you now. Let me try to explain. It's so important that we get a handle on on what's going on here. What he's saying is, look, you need to understand that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the impact that that good news has had on you personally, that's happened. That has gone before. That is there. That exists. If that exists, it's, in Paul's mind, it's now a given That is who you are. Now, because that is who you are, live worthy of it. Do you see the subtle yet incredibly important difference that that makes? If if I kind of stand here and say, 
for many people, there's that kind of um, that Christian thing. I am a Christian. And many people think that what Christian faith is all about is that we start somewhere over here and if we work really hard we get to that point of being a Christian and that is a combination of doing all sorts of good things. We do the Christian thing. And Paul is saying that is just, that is just back to front. That's happened. It's called grace. It's called the gospel of Jesus. It's called the breaking in of the good news of Jesus into your life. Now, because that has happened, now let all of these other things follow on. Live your life worthy. What does worthy mean? It means because something exists, live to add to it. Live to magnify it. Live to reflect on it. Don't live to achieve it. It's already happened. Live to reflect it. Now, I I don't know about you, but you might think, that just sounds sounds wrong. That just sounds wrong. What you're saying is that the gospel is all about God giving me something which then calls me to live out in a different way. I thought I had to do something to be accepted, to be good enough. I I thought I had to work my way up to this point, and then at that point he says, right now, you're good enough, you pass the test. That is how different Paul sees the gospel. He says, now look, the gospel has happened. It's happened in the coming of Jesus It's happened in the fact that that has now been communicated to you deep down inside here. Now, because of that, live differently. That's why he's saying to us today, has the gospel happened in your life? Has the message of Jesus kind of gone off in your life? It's hard to find words sometimes because very often we use words which, which make it feel as though we, we kind of, well, we do something. But it just happens to us as well. It's just, suddenly it's, or maybe over a progression of time, it's just, yeah. It's like suddenly I see it. It's there, it's true. It's, it's, got, it's deep down in here. And then that sparks all sorts of other things. What does it mean to live worthy? It means that we suddenly become, or maybe progressively become, deeply, deeply conscious that the way I'm living is not matching what I am. Now that might sound strange. The way I am living is not matching what I truly am. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to live differently. Paul, previously in the, in the chapter, he talks almost as the, the kingpin of this whole 
sentence, he talks about the coming day of Christ. He says that there is coming a day where, in a moment, everybody, the whole world, all of creation will suddenly see the truth about Jesus. It will become evident to the whole of creation. It will be like time stops, the world stops, everything that we know around us just stops in a moment and a new reality opens up, a reality of Jesus who is the king of all creation. And suddenly on that day when Jesus appears, we will see things, we will understand things which make us see his greatness, his purity, his goodness, his majesty, his kindness, his gentleness, his awe, the fear of him, the perfection of him, all of those things. Now what Paul is saying, I think, is something like this. When we really begin to understand the implications of that day, that's why the song that we sang just is so incredibly right for this. When we are living in the light of that day, the prospect of that day, we will want to bring something of the character, of the flavor, the values, the attributes of that day into this world now, into my life now. I ain't going to get there. I want to be working on it because suddenly I see that that is of such worth that I want to be reflecting something of it now. The truth is that I think we all want it. We all know that good things, right things, are things that are precious. <laughs> I was what we, you get them every Christmas, don't you? All of the kind of you know, the 50 most and the 100 most, uh, and there was a kind of 100 most, uh, I don't think it was hated people, or so, it was something along those lines. But it's fascinating, all of these celebrities that the media has now turned on, and we all hate them, even though we carry on giving them bucketsfuls of cash uh, in all sorts of ways, and it's kind of, we, we kind of got this love-hate relationship with people like Mel Gibson and Katie Price and all of this kind of thing. They make bucketfuls, uh, and yet the media turns on them. And somebody was being interviewed at the end, and they said, one of the things that they're missing is we, we miss something. We want just goodness. We just want something that makes us feel clean. Something that is just good. That's incredibly telling. We want that, don't we? And Paul is saying, look, live lives. Christchurch, escape. Live lives which are worthy, which are reflecting the goodness of the goodness of Jesus.
the goodness of the goodness of Jesus in this life now by bringing something of that day into day-to-day experience now. He goes on to say, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, <laughs> I just think that's just, it just hits the nail on the head of what we're like, actually. There's, the, there's, a t-shirt, there's T-shirts and there's kind of, you know, these postcards that you buy people in work. And it's, one of them, it says, quick, look busy, here comes the boss. You've probably seen that one, haven't you? It's kind of, you know, it doesn't matter what goes on, but when the boss is coming on, let's create an impression. Let, let's make it look as if we really are busy. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't, it, what he doesn't see doesn't matter. Paul's kind of hinting at that, isn't he? He's saying, look... Make it real. Make it real. Don't put up a front. Don't just do it when I'm around. Don't do it for me. Do it because it's genuinely deep down in there, written into your lives. Because you're wanting to live like that now. Because you're committed to living like that now, today, whether I'm there or whether I'm away. He hits on something which I think is really important for all of us to work through. We have a tendency, don't we, to to create a a facade uh, of the way we are to people around us. But the truth is, the narrower the group of people, the closer that group of people are to us, the more they see the reality. You know, if we're in in a big group like this, I guess most of us can put on a front and nobody will know. You know, we can do what Paul is warning against here. In our presence with each other, we can put on the front and we can make it look as though we're living lives worthy. But when we get back home... People close to us know the reality. That's why Paul, I think, in his letters to Timothy and Titus, make the family the kind of defining factor for those who are right to be in church leadership. Because those who are closest are the ones who see the reality. But I, wanted, I just want to clo- close the circle just a little bit more because I don't think that that circle is tight enough to really make the point. Because we can create a facade, even for our family, can't we? What's the tightest circle possible? I think it's the mirror. Right there in front of us. The me. The deep down inside. You can't get tighter than being honest with yourself, can you? You know, we can't get closer than a conversation with myself. And if you start with the great big wide, don't do it just while I'm present. Do it while I'm absent. And and use that principle that Paul is saying. And say, let's get narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. He's saying that just writes out the possibility that we live our lives shaped by people around us so that what's going on outside becomes the, the, the kind of acceptable reality for people around us.
He's saying, no, let it be driven from deep down inside here so that it springs out because that's the reality that's going on. Live lives that are worthy. Don't let the worthiness, don't let it be a sham. Don't let it be something which is kind of there for everybody to see, but it's a veneer. And you dig in a little bit and you find that it's not beautiful, polished mahogany. It's actually chipboard underneath. You know, let it be solid because it comes from inside outwards. He concludes by saying it is a beautiful thing to see when lots of people are committed to this together. I may hear that you, all of you, you plural that is, are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I hadn't planned it, but what better on the first Sunday of a new year, in a new church, to say, guys, there is nothing that is more demanding of us and yet nothing that is all more irrepressible than the reality of true unity. Hearts that are knit together. You might be thinking that sounds like, you know, let's all kind of take our brains out and and stick together and just become brainless in this. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're saying let's get really honest deep down. Because the gospel is what's gone on outside of us. And let's be committed to that. You know, for all of the good that Lance has done, and within the Live Strong thing, you can't take it away from him. Live Strong has done an enormous amount of good and it continues to do an enormous amount of good it is now one of the world's biggest uh, charities the amount of money that it draws in and provides for uh, cancer research and development is an incredible success but the harsh reality is that Livestrong can't reverse the cancer Not ultimately. Live worthy. Because the gospel can. The gospel of Jesus Christ can ultimately, completely reverse the cancer. It is that powerful. It can bring the dead to life. Literally. It will. As the Bible says that everyone who believes... Even though he dies, yet will he live. It's worthwhile. It's of worth to live a life worthy of it. What better way to start? 